Hello there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or Santa Claus, the Keebler elf, or Cookie Monster. I'm Jill, and I'm here with Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Jill. We love answering your questions, so please send them to us at kdl.org forward slash stump, or email us at stumpthelibrarian at kdl.org. We'd love to hear from you. We would love it if you followed the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. When you follow and like our podcast, more people can find us. Our questions today are all about cookies, (laughs) but we do have one Christmas question. So Liz, I have a Christmas uh, holiday themed question for you. Here we go. What is your favorite holiday treat? That's a a toughie. That's toughie. I know, Um, because there's a lot of good things. I'm thinking like, you know, those little pretzels that are dipped in white chocolate and then have those little crunchy sprinkles on top? Yeah. And I mean, I guess you can have them whenever, but that seems like a holiday treat to me that I would be excited if I saw like on a cookie tray because I know they're going to be fantastic. It's the salty sweet combination. That's my favorite. That is a good combination. How about you? So I have to say that Christmas cookies in general are my favorite holiday treat. And most of the cookies I make at Christmas time aren't necessarily like this has to be Christmas, but I only make them at Christmas time. So just Christmas cookies. But I would say my favorite Christmas cookies are Scandinavian almond bars, which are bar cookies Uh that have an almond flavor and have almonds sprinkled on top. They're really yummy. Delicious. Yum. I'm ready for some cookies. Me too. And I'm ready to talk all about cookies with you today. (laughs) It's going to be great. Oh, man. (laughs) Cookies everywhere. So we'll handle the first cookie question. How does that sound? That sounds delightful. All right. We have a question from Tina from Granville who asks, what is the origin of Christmas cookies? Oh, an origin story. An origin. <laughs> cookies, an origin story. <laughs> Can't wait. Okay. Christmas cookies, really all cookies, can be traced back to medieval European biscuits. Oh, the yeah. word biscuit biscuits. is still the... I, I had to change this because I didn't want to confuse anybody because we speak in English, but biscuit is the English from England way to refer to what we in America call cookie. And the word biscuit comes from Latin, and it means twice cooked, twice cooked. So around the year 1500, cookies were first baked and then dried out in the oven. See? Twice cooked. Twice cooked. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really the start of cookies. They were crisp, and they were flat, and they could last a long time. It was really important because all of the ingredients that are in cookies, which are similar, similar to the ingredients that we make in cookies today... They were hard to get, and they were expensive. Many of the ingredients in Christmas cookies, specifically like cinnamon or nutmeg or ginger, those were new to Europe because they're not found there, and they were made available to people in Europe because of trade that was starting to happen around the world around that time, around 1500. Butter and sugar, which are important parts of a cookie, they were expensive in medieval Europe, and especially processed white sugar was expensive. Molasses was more common. That's a sweetener. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Most kids maybe not don't know what a 
molasses is, but it is a sweetener. And it was useful in making gingerbread cookies or Lebekuchen in German. (laughs) I love that. Yes. Uh, Cookies have changed quite a bit since early biscuit. Most cookies have. They're not as hard and um, crisp as they were. But gingerbread cookies are actually very similar to what they would have been in medieval Europe. Because of how expensive these ingredients were, how expensive butter and sugar and these spices were, most families did not make cookies regularly. Even rich families weren't making cookies regularly. So Christmas time is a time of gift getting and eating together and just being together. And so families started to include all these new ingredients, cinnamon and ginger and nutmeg, to make cookies at Christmas time. So Christmas cookies really came before regular cookies, (laughs) or they came together. Sure. Many families would give cookies as a gift to their neighbors and loved ones. Gift giving was always important, but today, you know, we go to the store and we buy something, but that was not something that happened. You would make something for your loved one. So cookies might be something that you make for your loved one. So that's the end of the question. (laughs) (laughs) That really is the end of the question because that is how Christmas cookies came to be. But of course... I will tell you more of the story of cookies, (laughs) Christmas cookies in particular. But before um, we move on, I want to wrap up the story on the gingerbread cookies because we're done talking about gingerbread. But, you know, most of the time when you think about gingerbread today, back then they were just probably little round cookies, gingerbread cookies. Now we see the gingerbread man shape, right? Mm -hmm. So how did that come to be? This is a very interesting story. It is because Queen Elizabeth I wanted her bakers to make her gingerbread cookies shaped into her friends in the court (laughs) and decorated to look like them. Oh, cute. And everybody wants to be like the queen. So Mm -hmm. gingerbread men, now they (laughs) exist. So it's actually kind of hard to do research on cookies because it's not like other scientific research where there's a lot of sources. So that's more of a legend than a fact. There's enough sources that I would say there's probably quite a bit of truth to that. Were there already people making them into people? I don't know, maybe, but I like it. Mm -hmm. So it's it's fun. It's a good story. All right. So let's talk more about Christmas cookies besides gingerbread. A hundred years after Christmas cookies came to be around 1600, they were kind of all the rage in Europe. Everybody was making cookies at Christmas time. Different countries had different favorites, of course, and different countries had different words for these delicious pastries. We've already talked about biscuits, but our English word for cookie comes from the Dutch word for cookie because it was the Dutch people who first brought Christmas cookies to America. And so that's why we get that word. Cookies continue to be popular around Christmas because they actually keep longer than cakes and pies. They don't generally have to be refrigerated. Mm-hmm. They can just be stored on the counter. And they're kind of good even when they're stale. Sure. <laughs> just dunk them in some coffee. There you go. And, uh, and again, in 1600, they were supposed to be very hard and crunchy. And those cookies last even longer mm-hmm. than the softer varieties that sure. we make today. I don't think they were originally made with eggs, which make them softer and make them you know, break down a little faster than, sure. than the kind we make now. So they can be made ahead when guests are coming for Christmas, which you're so busy around Christmas time. So getting the cookies made ahead is very helpful. Okay. So Santa Claus, again, this is the 
historical legend part rather than scientific research. But, you know, we leave Christmas cookies for Santa. And legend says that this started during the 1930s, which was the Great Depression. So that was a time when many people lost their jobs. Families did not have enough money. There wasn't, you know, some families were struggling to have enough money to put food on the table. And so Christmas legend says that Christmas cookies, if families could afford to maybe make one batch of Christmas cookies to get you know, butter and sugar and make those, they would help show their children generosity, that you can be generous even when you are struggling by leaving a small plate of cookies for Santa. And it was just a tradition that continued. Leave yeah. Santa cookies. And Santa is a very thankful for that. <laughs> After the Great Depression, butter, eggs, now we use eggs and cookies, and sugar were back in business, and cookie making really took off after the Great Depression, and it's still a tradition for many families today. It might be the time of year when you make your family's traditional cookies, or you might try cookies from another tradition. When I was researching, I found this really interesting um, kind of collection of articles about cookies in this um, magazine from New England. It started all, it collected all the way back to 1796 wow. and went all the way through 1978 with tips, tricks, cookie recipes, and an argument that went back and forth for many years about whether cookies or candy were the better Christmas treat. Oh. I'm team cookie. Oh. But this is my favorite uh, list of Christmas cookies from 1965. I'm going to read you this list. And some of them will be like, oh, yeah, I can. And other ones like, what is that? (laughs) So we have Chewy Noels. Sounds delightful. Sure. Butter Stars. Mm -hmm. Cinnamon Stars. Date Le Bukuken. Gingerbread Men. Of course, we know about them. Rum Balls. Sand Tarts. Sugar Cookies. And then wasps nests. Oh. What do you think a wasps nest is? Well, I think I I know what like a bird's nest type cookie is. Yeah. It's like a haystack kind of. But yeah. maybe it's similar. Don't to know that. what a wasp doesn't sound appetizing. No. There were no pictures um in this. Um there were some a few like pictures of the actual physical article. Like you could see the old time type, but there were no pictures of these cookies, sadly. But uh, Liz, I have a a surprise for you today. I have (laughs) Christmas cookies right here. This is right. There you go. Right there for you. you. Uh, Christmas cookies that we make in our home. These are my favorite, the almond bars. And then I have a peppermint cookie, which is very Christmassy in flavor. And then a chocolate chip shortbread cookie. Did you make those? I did make those. Wow. Yeah, because Christmas cookies are wonderful. They are. Indeed. That's that's everything I that's have on everything. Christmas cookies. Oh, wow. That's a lot. It was informative. I hope so. <laughs> Thanks for sharing all of that with us. Um, I think I'll take the fact of the day. Yeah. It is not a cookie fact, <laughs> though I feel kind of bad. I guess it should have been. But um, this fact of the day comes from one of my very favorite Nat. Geo Kids, weird but true, exclamation point. It's from the World 2024 edition. So this was new in August in our kids' nonfiction. Big book, lots of great pictures, but I chose um, a fact of the day from 
Madcap Museums. So it talks about different kind of fun, peculiar museums that you might visit. Um, but this one is the Troll Hole Museum, <laughs> and it's in Alliance, Ohio. So maybe if you're going on a road trip over the holiday season, you might go down to Alliance, Ohio. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Okay, D- tell you're me. You're familiar it. with the trolls, oh, um, yeah. So they, you know, there's movies. See that new trolls movie, right? <laughs> um, these are actual troll dolls. They're magical cave dwelling creatures with mops of wild hair, and they may come from Scandinavian folklore. But thousands of these cute furry little figures have found their way to the small town of Alliance, Ohio. As of 2018, the Troll Hole Museum was home to a record-breaking 8,130 troll dolls. Wow, that's a lot of troll dolls. And, well, that was 2018. Oh, yeah. It has um, grown since then. Of course. <laughs> Here you can learn everything there is to know about the origins of these fabulous fur balls and meet a host of... Trollified musicians, <laughs> celebrities, and athletes in a variety of wacky settings, from a pop concert to a pro football hall of fame. Oh, that so, funny. if you are a fan of trolls, or maybe you had a troll adult when you were younger, um, you might identify with the Troll Hole Museum <laughs> in Alliance, Ohio. <laughs> I would go there. That- I would too. That sounds fun. <laughs> I love a roadside attraction. Uh, 8,000. <laughs> I would have to spend so much time there. <sighs> I love Weird But True. I really I, do. I know. They're great. They have <laughs> just such strange things in Weird there. Weird But True World 2024. So do you have right. a cookie question for you know, us? You know, Jill, I do have a Can't cookie wait. question. Cookies. So my question came from Sophia, who is 13, from Ada. And she asked kind of a challenging question, so I had to think about it. But her question was, what was the first cookie cream brand? So cookie cream, I wasn't exactly sure what Sophia was thinking about. um, But I took it as, like, Oreos have cream inside of them. So um, what was the first Oreo, I guess? That's where I started my research. Yeah. And the first Oreo was not Oreo. It was a cookie called Hydrox. Oh. It came into being in 1908 by Sunshine Biscuits. So here we go. We talked about biscuits biscuits before. Oreo was and still is a product of Nabisco, but it was a copycat cookie that hit the shelves in 1912. Oh, wow. So 1908 was Hydrox. 1912 was Oreo. And they weren't a success. There were biscuit wars between the two cookies for the first two decades after Oreo launched. Oreos were called imposters. Um, Although Oreo claimed to be the higher class of biscuits. Um, but Oreo didn't overtake Hydrox until the 1950s. Oh, wow. Yeah. So 40 years after they had a redesign and a relaunch. But in 2019, Oreo set a record of selling 92 million cookies oh. per day. And today, oh. over 100 countries <gasps> consume Oreos. Wow. So I'd say they won. Okay. <laughs> I mean, come on. But Hydrox 
what are we talking about here? Do, don't you think that is a terrible name for a cookie? That's really bad. Hydrox. It sounds like a chemical company. So I'm thinking... What, what is this all about? I did a little more research. It, it sounds like cleaning, like yeah, a cleaning yeah, product. Yeah, cleaning, yeah. So the name was supposed to invoke purity and goodness by combining water and oxygen to make people think of water molecules. Okay. <laughs> okay. The cream was less sweet than an Oreo, and it held up better in milk. It was a sturdier cookie okay. than when Oreos... They were not so crumbly. So Hydrox was around all this time. They relaunched as Droxies in 1999. So oh. that wasn't, I mean, that wasn't that I don't long know if ago. That's that better. But oddly <laughs> enough, it still wasn't profitable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they've gone back to Hydrox now. Uh, but the Hydrox claim to fame was then and still is it's kosher. Oh, so that okay. means the ingredients fit into um, the special rules of a Jewish person's diet. So anybody could eat Hydrox. Oreos didn't become kosher until 1997. Okay, so that was that was their claim to fame. You know, <laughs> the feud continues between the two cookies because it's still happening in today. Oh, really? Hydrox is a product of Leaf Brands now. It changed companies a couple of times. And Oreo is still made by Nabisco. But get this. In 2016, Hydrox relaunched again with a Made in the USA label on its package. They thought that would increase their sales. And was advertised as having no genetically modified ingredients. They were non-GMO. Okay. However... (laughs) Oreo still had more sales, marketing, and popularity than Hydrox. But then, <laughs> this is like a drama. Yeah, There is. were allegations five years ago that Oreo was sabotaging <gasps> Hydrox no. in grocery stores by hiding them on the shelves. <laughs> the Leaf Brands company filed a lawsuit seeking... million in damages because there were claims that the distributors, so these are people that put the actual products on the shelf, were putting Hydrox on a higher shelf than Oreo so people couldn't find them or facing the package sideways so you couldn't see what, yeah, serious. They couldn't read the package. So this, I believe, is still happening, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big lawsuit that's yeah. happening between Hydrox. That takes and a long time. Takes a long time. However, there are still Hydrox fan clubs really? online. Hydrox fan clubs that will buy out Hydrox inventory and then resell them on eBay because these are people who are diehard Hydrox cookie fans. Okay, they're very devoted. They claim a more refined taste for preferring Hydrox over Oreos. <laughs> also, some people just love an underdog and will do whatever they can to support Hydrox. Wow, that is weird. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Yeah. I opened a can of worms here. Yeah. <laughs> but, of course, there are a lot of cool things about Oreos that still make them popular. They have different flavors, yep. their seasonal specialties, mm-hmm. and on their website, you can even design your own Oreo. Oh, that's fun. Um, I took a look. It's pretty expensive, just oh, FYI, but gotcha. you, you can order uh, Oreo cookies with your dog's picture on it oh if my. you want. Oh, my. 
I do not want to. Um, do you that. can't you can't order a Hydrox with your dog's picture on it. Oh. Just so you know. Oh. And there's no double stuff Hydrox. Double oh. stuff. I know. That's you need that. <laughs> so Hydrox laid the groundwork, but Oreo took it away from yeah. them. They definitely continues. won the marketing war. Yeah. It's called Oreo. They had a great jingle. <laughs> I sang it for Liz earlier. I will not be re- oh, repeating that. It was magical. So what are some other popular cookies besides Oreos at the grocery store? Chips Ahoy. Right. It's always come in second to Oreo. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, they hit the shelves in 1963, and they were marketed as tasting like homemade. Do you agree no, that the I chips... I do not agree. <laughs> She's shaking her head. I do uh-uh. not agree with that. <laughs> um, but always second to Oreo. Um, Girl Scout cookies, which oh, Jill knows a lot about, yes. um, in 1917 okay. were baked in Girl Scouts' kitchens and yep. sold door to door. They were. They now sell 200 million boxes of cookies per year. Yep. And the best selling flavor? Thin mints. Thin mints. Yep. You're right. Um, another popular cookie that gets forgotten maybe sometimes is the Nilla wafer. Oh, yeah. Oh. They were first called vanilla wafers, and they were invented in 1898. Yeah. So even before all of these other cookies we were talking about. So now they're used in pie crusts, and they come in different flavors. Um, I think of like banana pudding or banana pie with vanilla wafers. Quite delicious. Mm -hmm. So that is all I have to share with you about Oreos okay. and Hydrox and Chips Ahoy and Girl Scout cookies and all of the cookie biscuit wars that have taken place. So I have to tell you two <laughs> things that I learned when I was researching Christmas cookies that so closely tie into what you're talking about. One is that frosting or icing was invented kind of discovered, I don't know what you call it when you're talking about cooking, um, like right around 1900. So right before Hydrox, Hydrox, yes, created their cream Cream cookie. cookie. On the inside. Yeah. So that makes sense. You know, it wasn't, people didn't really frost their cookies before that. And the other thing is that um, I I had not read that about vanilla the cool name Nilla, Nilla. wafers, <laughs> um, but those are more like the traditional early European medieval cookies because okay. they're so crisp. Yeah, you know, and, and they've been around a long. They've been time. around a long time. Interesting. Yeah. Cookies. How fascinating! What a great episode. What fun <laughs> cookie facts we have today. Do you have a book about cookies? No, it has oh. absolutely nothing to do with cookies. I'm so sad. <laughs> Missed opportunity. I, I, you know. I don't know that I've read a book about cookies, but now I want to. Besides a cookbook. Sure. Which I love a cookie Which cookbook. we could talk about, but I yeah. suppose you have no, something I have else. A, I have something else. Okay. So I'm still on my youth core collection oh, sure. quest. Yep. I think this will be my last one. I only have five more. Mm-hmm. I think I'll be done before our next podcast recording. On to other titles. I have been reading a lot of fun titles, actually, but I'm just trying to get through the core. So... I did save some really great core titles for the end of the challenge, and this one was so good. It's a graphic novel. It's called Swim Team. Oh, oh hey, I love that book. You know what? It's by the author Johnny Christmas. Oh, oh. see? Maybe it does tie in. <laughs> has nothing to do with that, uh, but it's a great name. Um, there were so many things that stuck out to me about this book. First, it was a story about moving 
you don't really think about that because there's so many other things happening, but that's a really hard and difficult thing to do when you're a kid is move. And that's the very first thing that happens to Brie in this book. Brie and her dad are moving to a new town at the beginning of this book. It's also a story about new friends, new friends that are your own age and new friends that aren't your own age. In their new apartment complex in their new town, Brie makes a great friend who's the same age as her at school. And she makes a great friend who's their elderly neighbor, Ms. Etta. She's my favorite character Mm -hmm. in this book. I just loved her. She loves puzzles, Miss Etta, not Brie. But actually, they both <laughs> liked puzzles, but Miss Etta likes uh, like jigsaw puzzles. And she's so kind, and she really ends up being very important to Brie for many reasons. Because Brie joined school late, she is forced to take swim class because every other class she wants to take is already full. Yeah, it's a bummer. Mm-hmm. But she has a secret. She has never learned to swim. Oh. And she's embarrassed of that yeah. secret because that's hard. Right. Got to go to swim class and everybody else swims and mm-hmm. she doesn't. Miss Etta to the rescue. <laughs> she used to be on the swim team at Bree's school many years ago. And she teaches Bree to swim and she encourages her to join the school swim team. Through the story, Brie and her teammates face real challenges. They face the challenges of bullies from the rich school swim team. That was my least favorite part of the book was reading about bullies. I don't like reading about bullies, but they do really exist. So Mm -hmm. seeing how they dealt with their bullies, that was a good thing. They also had to learn how to work together as a team, which is such a challenge. Mm -hmm. And that was really great too. This book also... It's not historical fiction, but it has a little bit of real history in it as Miss Etta talks with Brie about the very real racist history of public swimming areas and why that um, racial history has made it so many black people don't want to swim or don't know how to swim because of that history. That was really uh, good to read about and hear it from Miss Etta's perspective and Brie's perspective and just have a little bit of that um, of that real history in this book and the art on that page especially was very beautiful. Um, I love how as the reader, you get to see Brie overcoming her obstacles and she has a bunch of them. Um, and it's just great to see her doing that. I also love the artwork in this book. It's really colorful. I think that People who use the library love this book too because I had to put it on hold. It's never ever on the shelf and it took a really long time to get to me. I wanted to read it like a month ago, but I just kept waiting for it. So I personally find that to be a good recommendation mm-hmm. when I can't get it because so many people want to read it. So put it on hold listeners. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I read it. I read that one probably when it first came out, Yeah, but, um, but you're right. And it's not super new, but it still no. is checked out all the time all the time and it's one that when you start reading it you can't put it down I read it in a single city I read it on a car ride like I just read it front to back like I didn't stop it was that it was so good it is and it really is a a narrow story you know sometimes that story is so wide and there's so much going on and you're like overwhelmed with characters but this is just a story of a school swim team and the obstacles that they face in one season so you just feel really connected to Brie and to the other teammates and to Miss Etta I was fascinated by that book. I really, because we didn't have a swim team when I was in school. So I didn't really know anything about it. 
So I was learning about, and I was learning as I was reading. And yeah. Really, I enjoy books like that, that open up a different world that's not familiar to me. Me too. Me too. Because it's fun. It's not nonfiction, but you're still learning. Still learning. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's a, a great, great book. book. <laughs> Highly recommend. And you'll have to put it on hold because it's never on the shelf. Right. <laughs> yeah. I would recommend that one too. Yeah. That's a great book. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jill. That was yeah. fantastic. Did Should we talk about what we learned today? Yeah. What did you learn today? Oh my. We just learned <laughs> we talked about so, so many things. Um, I think my favorite thing that I learned was um, about the little gingerbread men, like dressed like From the, queen. the queen. I know. I want a little gingerbread person that looks like me. I think that would be great. <gasps> that would be, would you eat it or would you just save it? Oh, oh I would eat it. I'd be like, oh, that's me. <laughs> I'd make it probably do some funny things for Yes. <laughs> oh my word, Liz. That is actually the original history of the cutout gingerbread cookies. Uh, shortbread cookies, cutouts, they used them to make plays. Oh, I would do that. I know. It's wonderful. <laughs> There's, I, I'm full of cookie knowledge too. There's only so much you can share. I really want some Ooh. cookies. All right. How about you? Okay. <laughs> First of all, I never knew there was anybody but Oreo. Oh, yeah. And I find that fascinating. And I find it fascinating that they still exist. They do. I thought they would be gone by now. Yeah. No. It's a real thing. I got to look for them next time I'm shopping at Meijer. Uh, you you might I can find it No, there? probably not. You probably have to order them like okay. on the internet. Oh, all right. <laughs> Maybe there's a little, I'm going to, I'm going to hunt for them. Okay. See right. if, how they compare to an Oreo. Report back. Okay. I, I have to say that Oreo is uh, my favorite store-bought cookie. Do you, okay. Before we finish, do you have a yeah. favorite Oreo, you know, like Yeah, there's flavor? so many good kinds. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just, I'm really partial to the double stuff. Double stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, how about you? Favorite? I, 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 I'll go with the birthday cake. Okay. Birthday cake. I think cake. that one is tasty. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, enough about cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Go eat some cookies. All right, well, but don't, you know, spoil your dinner. That's it for us today. Thanks for all of your amazing questions and helping us learn about cookies and the world around us, too. For more information or to send us your own question, head to kdl.org forward slash stump and tune in to the next episode where we answer even more of your questions. Huge and special thanks to the KDL Programming Department, the KDL Marketing Department, and J.D. Delinsky for our intro and outro music. Thank you.